Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, verses 18 and 19, in the New Testament section of our Red Bibles on page 72. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you are hidden in all the treasures and knowledge. Open our eyes so that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace so that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Luke 13, verse 18. Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? And what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed into the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds in the air made nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the Lord is with you. If this is your first Sunday here at our church, we want to again welcome you, and we want you to know what we're up to. This is the, the second Sunday that we are leaning into this big theme that we're calling Rooted and Reaching. And if you take a look at those words, they actually do carry a lot of weight. The word rooted has to do with our, our position in Christ, that we're rooted in Christ. We just heard Kathleen uh, help us to understand that. But I think the second word, reaching, also describes our purpose, that not only are we rooted in Christ, but our purpose in Christ is that we would reach beyond ourselves into the world that God created. The other thing I want you to know, and this is not just for our first-time visitors, but it's for the entire congregation, I want you to know that we have a gift for you today. So after, after this service, I want you to go back this way to the front desk, and we will have a gift for you there. And it's actually a free devotional guide that we're giving to everyone. If you didn't get one last week, we really want you to get one today because you can take this and you can read it together. You can read it as an individual. You can read it with your family. You can read it in your small group. Maybe when you're on the train traveling to work, you can pull it out and read it because it has these great questions. It has many of the Bible verses that we're going to be using during this series called Rooted and Reaching. And we just want you to be, to be planted in this series so that God can truly work with you. So we have that free copy for you. Now, in the course of the series and in the course of even the message today, you're going to hear us make reference to First Press and that big theme. And I'm going to tell you about that in a few minutes. But this morning I want to speak to you about a very proverbial theme, one that we all know, and it's the idea that big things come in small packages. And that is, in many ways, what we call a mustard seed principle. And the idea of the mustard seed is that this seed is so small, it has no business growing to 100x. And that's what the mustard seed does. Small seed, small thing, 
but it grows bigger than the way it looks. And Jesus, when he was with us, he loved to speak in hyperbole. He loved to exaggerate, to make his point. And Jesus then would, would use these, these obvious things that people of his day knew and handled and were familiar with, what we call earthly things, earthly objects. Jesus would use the common, everyday things that people use to teach them about the kingdom of God. And as we heard read, Jesus reached for the smallest object imaginable to teach and to make a comparison, and he used a mustard seed, barely visible on the tip of your finger. This tiny seed, when you put it in the right soil, when you give it enough water and the right climate, uh, environment will emerge into the sky as this mighty tree, as Jesus says, the birds of the air will nest in them, will rest in them. But I think in order for us to understand the beauty of Jesus' teaching about the, 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 the parable of the mustard seed, I think it's important that we go a few paces back. And if you have your Bibles open, in fact, why don't you open your Bibles to the text that we just read and go a few paces back and look at what comes before the parable. And Jesus tells, or Luke tells, of a day when Jesus went into the synagogue. And maybe the synagogue was full, just like our churches today. And a woman walked in. And this woman, we're told, for 18 years, had an issue with her back that caused her to go forward looking down for 18 years. Now, where I come from, when somebody who has been suffering for a long time gets well and they overcome their, their handicap and their disability and their sickness and their disease, and when it's clear that God had something to do with it, where I'm from, there is great rejoicing. People are singing, how great is our God. He, God is amazing. He's the name above all names. But I was surprised when I read this text that instead of the rejoicing that should have been going on, the ruler of the synagogue was complaining. Why? <laughs> and I know it's embarrassing to tell you why. Jesus healed the woman on the wrong day. This woman now, listen, this woman who had been suffering under the power of Satan for 18 years, was healed on the wrong day. He was, she was healed on the Sabbath. And the complaint of the synagogue ruler, why didn't he heal him on, like, Monday? He has all week, like, Tuesday. I mean, Thursday. Why the Sabbath? Where is your, where is your respect for the sacred, Jesus? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have no respect for the sacred as you understand it. He calls them a bunch of hypocrites. And he asks them, okay, what do you do with your animals on the Sabbath day? You have them tied up, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty. You know what you do? Yes, you untie them, and you lead them to water, and you lead them to food. And Jesus says, well, look, here is this woman now. She's a daughter of Abram. She's been tied up by Satan for 18 long years, and she's now healed, and you are complaining. 
What's more important? That's what Jesus is saying. What's more important, a child of God getting relief and help or the observance of your religious tradition? And really what Jesus was saying is, look, you guys have missed the point. These people were rooted, but clearly they weren't reaching. And so right after the healing, Jesus asked the question of the hour. He said, therefore, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? Jesus was telling these people something very important about the kingdom of God. I noticed when I read my gospel stories again this past week that Jesus had so much to say about the kingdom. I looked in Matthew and the first words out of Jesus' mouth were, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I looked in Luke and Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. I looked at Luke, of course, and Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to other towns, for I was sent for this purpose. And I even turned over to John and Nicodemus coming at night. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And I thought to myself, well, if the kingdom of God is so important to the king, Jesus, then it means then if I'm a follower, if you are a follower of Jesus, then it better be important to us. It better be important to us. So if we want to understand what the kingdom is this morning, I want to have you think with me about two possibilities for understanding it. One would be the idea of signs and what Jesus did in the synagogue that morning he showed them a sign that the kingdom is here. For example, look at Luke chapter 4. Look at what Jesus said. Just hear the, hear the signs. Try to picture the signs. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Some people say that's a sign. One of the signs of the kingdom breaking into this world is that the Spirit has come. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's one sign, or maybe two signs. Sign number two. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Sign number three. Recovering of sight to the blind. Sign number four. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Number five, sign, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's one that we know very well from Matthew 25. That's just filled with signs that the kingdom is here. Matthew 25, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory with his angels, he will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to these signs. For I was hungry, and what happened? You gave me food. It's okay to talk back to me, church. Let me try that again. For I was hungry, and you gave me I was thirsty and you gave me, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, and I was naked and you did what? You clothed me and I was sick and what happened? You visited me and I was in prison and what happened? You came and you visited me in prison and then you're going to say to me, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink, or see you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick and in prison? And when did we visit you? And the king of the kingdom will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it, as you did it, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And that's what Jesus was teaching in the synagogue that day. The second way in which you can, you can understand the kingdom is to understand the location of the kingdom. And, and so often in our world, when we think about a kingdom, we think of something on earth. We think of ancient Rome, and Jesus would say, no, I'm not talking about ancient Rome. Or we think about the United Kingdom, or we think about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and all the other kingdoms of this world, and Jesus would say, no, that's not what my kingdom is. My kingdom is the reign of God. I am king over the universe. And the kingdom of God refers to God's rule, God's order. And really, I want you to hold on to that when you think about the kingdom of God. It relates to God's rule. It relates to God's order. And the reason why that's important is because the world in which you and I live, and I don't need to tell you this, it's fallen in sin. It's, it's in a state of disorder. And you and I know how much we don't like to watch the evening news anymore because it's a tale of darkness and violence and death, and disease, and hurricanes, and hatred, and lusts, and greed, and pride, and human trafficking, and the poor, and the widows, and the orphans, and the weak are crushed and are thrown aside. And the kingdom of God comes breaking into the disordered world and changes the conditions and brings order out of the chaos. And what happened in the synagogue was a manifestation, a, a glimpse, friends, it's a glimpse of God's kingdom on earth and what it will look like when Jesus comes in all of his glory and women who are, who are broken, women and men who suffer from infirmities, when the kingdom of God comes in all of its manifestations, there'll be no more weeping, no more mourning, no more crying, but there'll be love and there'll be justice and God's kingdom will be manifested in all of its ways. And Jesus is saying, it's happening right now in small ways. When you lift the burdens from someone, the kingdom of God is breaking in. And we pray that prayer every Sunday. I don't know if you realize what you're praying. Your kingdom come, we say. Your will be done on earth. There it is right there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're asking that the kingdom of God would create order out of the disorder. Sometimes when I'm praying that prayer, I'll pause in my mind and I say, your kingdom come, your will be done in Evanston as it is in heaven. So what does this parable really teach us about the kingdom of God? Jesus used the mustard seed principle to show us how God works, how God works, that God often operates under the radar, on the edges of things. God is operating quietly, clandestinely, from the very small to the very great. Usually, and this is something we in, in, in progress-driven America just will not abide, God often will work by a slow and gradual process. And one day you look up and you say, where did, where did the Roman Empire go? 
Where did the promise of the Nazis go? Where did all the empires of the world go? And the kingdom of God slowly but surely continues to march on and its grow. C.S. Lewis asked this question, how did God enter history? And you know what C.S. Lewis said? God entered history quietly in a dusty corner of the mighty Roman Empire, clandestinely sneaking behind enemy lines in the form of a little baby. How did the Sisters of Charity commence? This order which now is all over the world started with one little lady, and I say little lady because she was only 72 inches, five feet. It started in Calcutta. Literally, this little lady heard the the small voice of Jesus and she responded and she moved out into the worst slum, into one of the worst cities in the world where there was just disorder and she started picking up dead people from the streets and babies and children that nobody wanted. And in the beginning, in that mustard seed moment, Mother Teresa had nobody with her. She had no institutional support. She had no millionaires behind her bankrolling her ministry. And yet in that mustard seed moment, she just simply started and she planted her little mustard seed And God's work grew. God's work grew. I'm telling you, friends, this is the mustard seed principle. Big things, they come in small packages. It was back in July of 1868. This church didn't begin with big buildings and big organs and big budgets. This church didn't begin owning an entire block. No, in 1868, in the summer, July 1868, this church planted a little seed in the soil of Evanston on this corner with 36 people. 151 years ago, 36 people came together and put a little mustard seed in the ground and it started growing. 151 years later, friends, we're still here. And so much has changed, thankfully, since 1868. I wouldn't be here if I were alive in 1868. Come on now. But one thing remains, and I'm serious about this. Our forefathers in 1868 put a seed in the ground, and they would be ashamed of us if in 2019 we have stopped planting our mustard seeds, they would, be, they would say, what's wrong with you? And they would tell us, they would tell us that if you don't plant anything, don't expect anything to grow. And Jesus himself said that we must work the works of him who sent us while it's day. Because when the night comes, the time for work will be done away. Jesus himself would remind us that, look, the kingdom of God is within you. You're called to do mustard seed work. And that's the reason why we have embarked on these, what we call our strategic plans. This is why we're developing these goals. Because I believe God wants us to continue to plant and grow. Let me just share two of them with you. That's goal number one. 
By January of 2022, we are believing that the membership of this church is going to grow by 300, and, and 75% of that 300 will be members for the next generation of First Prayers. You know what's sad about that? I have heard so many embarrassed twit laughing. I've heard so much cynicism. I've heard so much dismissal of these goals. And I just thought to myself, that is so sad. That is so sad. We're no longer entranced with that kingdom vision. Listen, friends, I'm going to say it again. Nothing grows if nothing is sowed. And I don't believe God planted this church for it to die. I just need a few people, a few people who have the mindset of Jesus to believe that, yes, the kingdom of God is within me. This church is going to grow. God has given me a seed and I'm going to plant it. Here's the second goal I want you to take a look at. By January of 2022, that two-thirds of our members here at First Prayers would have joined a small group. And I consider a small group to be a mustard seed moment. You know why? When Jesus got started in the shadows of the mighty Roman Empire, Jesus said, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know how many people he said that to? Was it 1,200? Huh? You know, everybody would love a 1,200-member church because we would say, oh, man, we are the big growing church. Did Jesus start with 520? Did he start with 120? No, he started with 12. I believe in the power of small groups, and small groups get together to worship and to pray and to spend time in the Scripture and to serve, to do kingdom work. I was telling that to somebody the other day. I said, what, do you, what does your small group do and they listed, you know, we get together, we pray, and we read the scripture, and we listen to each other, and we support each other. And I said, so what kind of service do you do in Jesus' name? And they said, well, yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, that's what we want these small groups to do. That's, that's the mustard seed principle that even a small group could embark upon. And I'm so excited to tell you, be on the lookout for more news about where small groups will be going as we go deeper into the fall. So, what can one seed do? What can one seed do? Plant it, plant it, and you will see. What can one person do? Trust God and act and see what happens. Now, I have one more gift I'm going to give you. And during the offering, you, of course, will share a gift with the church if God so blesses you. But then during the offering, we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you that card. And I want for every one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, when the ushers come by, receive, receive that gift. Now, some of you may not be able to read the words, but when you get it, you'll be able to read it. But let me read it for you. It says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible with God and for you. So, brothers and sisters, do not be afraid of doing small things. Reject the American understanding of bigness means it's effective. 
Do not be afraid of doing small things at the prompting of God. You might feel that nothing you do will make a difference against all the, the gargantuan evils and, 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 and injustices of the world. You might be thinking, well, nobody's going to pay attention to me. I'm over here in my little corner doing my small acts. And God is saying, I'm watching you. I'm seeing you. I'm using you. People may ridicule you and call you an unrealistic dreamer. Well, who cares? Plant the seed. Make the move. Take the risk. Take even the smallest step. Don't worry about who is seeing you or who isn't seeing you. If God is prompting you, then do it. Leave the rest to God. So, I want you to take that card. I want you to put it in your purse. Put it in your pocket, put it in your top pocket, take it with you every day, anywhere you're going, look at it every day and say, God, is this the day where you're going to help me plant my little mustard seed and help move the mountain off? And you could name what that mountain is, the mountain of hunger, the mountain of loneliness, the mountain of hate, the mountain of prejudice the mountain of incivility. God, is this the day that you would want me to step out and just, and just do something this week and plant my seed? I hope you will. I hope you will volunteer. And some of us, we just, we're so much into our world that we don't give our time to nobody. And I'm saying, could you do that? Could you just take, take that mountain, that, 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 that mustard seed of a bit of your time and, and help with a project somewhere for someone? Could you, could you offer your service to a neighbor? Could you, could you make a phone call or send a postcard to someone who needs support? Could you, could you offer free babysitting? For a family who is just so stressed out, maybe a single mother, maybe a family with a special needs child, could you step into that moment and move a mountain for them? Could you make a donation? And some of you, some of you have abilities to make donations and gifts, and could you just do that and say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to go over and above what I normally give. Could you call the church office this week and say to Janice, Janice, where do you need help? I want to get involved. Could you sign up to help with some aspect of ministry here at the church? Could you say, Lord, I want to be trained as a Stephen minister. I want to join a small group. Or I want to start a small group. All of you, all of you, all of you, you have that mustard seed. You know why I say that? Jesus says, Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. You are empowered. You are authorized to help move mountains in this world. Can you say amen to that? Whew, that was weak. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir. Can you say amen to that church? Amen. You have that seed in you. Would you just plant it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? God's people say amen. amen.